What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Sports Kingdom Show. I am your host, Eric, the Duke of Sports Sklar. I am joined by my co-host, Shelton's very own Tyler Pacholke, and of course, co-host producer extraordinaire, Jacob Gonzalez. Before we start the show, we appreciate you all so much for listening. Be sure to hit that subscribe or follow button wherever you decide to listen to the Sports Kingdom Show so you can stay up to date on the newest episodes of the show. Also, be sure to give us a five-star rating and review the show wherever you're listening to us. That really helps us out as well. Don't forget to follow at TSK Show on all social media platforms and follow all of us as well at the Duke of Sports, at Tyler Pacholke, and at Jacob Double underscore Gonzalez. On this episode of the Sports Kingdom Show, we got the whole gang back together, and so we'll give out our midseason awards for the first half of the NBA regular season. We'll also discuss the first two midseason firings of the NBA season as the Timberwolves and Hawks have new head coaches. And from the NFL, we'll talk about J.J. Watt heading to Arizona and what the hell is going on with Russell Wilson and the Seahawks. All this and more on episode 184 of the TSK Show, coming up right now. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to episode 184 of the Sports Kingdom Show. I am your host, Eric, the Duke of Sports, Sklar. Joining me as always, Shelton's very own Tyler Pacholke. What's up, TP? How you living, man? I'm doing good, man. I'm I'm a little cold, but I'm, other than that, I'm doing all right. Hey, we uh we got some uh, Pacific Northwest weather down here today. It was uh it was raining in LA for for a few hours. Yeah, it's actually really nice up here right now. <laughs> I was actually I was actually in Seattle today, and like you know, Seattle this time of year is tough to beat. There you go. All right, you can get some. Uh-huh. Uh, did you go to Pike's Place? Where'd Where'd you go? What'd you hit? No, 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 I was just, uh, I was just in the downtown area, okay. um, you know, not doing, not doing anything, just checking out the water. Okay. All right. All right. Cool. Jacob sitting across from me on the board, our co-host producer extraordinaire, Jacob Gonzalez. What's up, man? How are you? I'm good. Good to be back. I know I was gone for two weeks, but, uh, had a lot of stuff going on, but good yeah. to be back. No, you're, we took a week off and then, uh, you had some stuff going on, but Hey, the whole gang is back and it's uh i think it's a pretty cool time in sports right now uh we got halfway through the nba season we got the nfl offseason ramping up we got spring training starting we we got a lot going on um but tonight uh one of the things we're going to do is we're going to give out our mid-season awards for the nba but before we do that i gotta let you know that this episode of the sports kingdom show is sponsored by j diamond estates for all of your real estate needs here in the los angeles area Contact Jacob Diamond at 818-451-8539, or you can check out his website, jdiamondestates.com, DRE number 02068311. Come on, you're getting paid. Ask something. Five seconds at midcourt. Final seconds. Bryant for the win. Did I miss anything while I was gone?
take this and you burn it. Job's not finished. Job finished? I don't think so. So when you get done with this, you should be butt-ass naked. So here we are on March 3rd, 2021. And we're about halfway through the NBA regular season. We got the All-Star game coming up this weekend. Uh, real quick, Jacob, uh, I don't know if you want to share your thoughts on on that real quick before we do our midseason awards since you weren't here last week. Uh, a lot of players were uh, saying that they were against the All-Star game. And uh, I think, obviously, you know that Tyler and I, we talked about it last week. We believe that it's all a money grab. Uh, doing the all-star game in a pandemic. And I mean, I saw on Twitter today, a list of events at clubs happening this weekend uh, with a whole bunch of rappers heading down to Atlanta. Uh, Cause a lot of stuff is open. And then uh, the NBA, they're doing a two day bubble in Atlanta where everybody has to stay in the hotel, basically from when they check in at 7 PM on Saturday night to when they leave to get on the bus to go to the arena uh, on Sunday for the game. So uh, I don't know. I, I know I'm coming off script here, throwing this at you guys at the at the beginning of the show. We were going to do our midseason awards first, but I was looking at ESPN real quick before we started recording, and that's uh, that's what uh, I was looking at. And it jogged my memory that Jacob didn't get a chance to, to talk about that real quick. Yeah, I don't know. I think it for sure is a money grab, but – I understand the players' frustrations because if you kind of date back to last year when COVID was a big thing and it shut down the NBA, we just wanted to get back to playing and playing safe. I think that's what the players' mentality was. And sure, you sure there's a, a safe way to do this, but in turn, these players had a shortened season. They just have one goal in mind, and that's just to get to the playoffs, and that's to win games and ultimately win a championship. So to me, if you're a player, you kind of feel like this is a distraction. Typically, the all-star break is something that guys look forward to because you know it's around that midway checkpoint where you've hit kind of a slump for certain playoff teams and you need that rest and it's always fun too but in recent years if i'm being honest the i guess the hype of it and i you know all the um the excitement to it has kind of gone out the window i don't really know i'm not really interested in watching all-star festivities anymore i used to be where i would need to watch you know, Friday to, to Sunday do not bother me. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, well, that, that's where I would sit. Especially this year when they're cramming the the skills competition, the three-point contest, and the dunk contest all on the same day as the actual game. It's That's going to be very interesting to see how that, that works out. Um, and then the fact that, I mean, the players, I think one of the stipulations of them coming back so early before Christmas was – that there wasn't going to be an all-star game this year. And then all of a sudden, as things started to, I don't want to say get better with coronavirus, but regulations in different areas began to change and they were able to figure out a way to to put together an all-star game in in Atlanta. And that's, that's what they're deciding to do. So I'm, I'm very interested to see how it turns out. And I forgot to mention all the events that I was mentioning with the rappers at the clubs and everything, those aren't NBA sanctioned. Usually the NBA does have a whole bunch of different sanctioned events and parties and all of that. But this year, because of the optics and all of that, they aren't sponsoring any events. Um, but it will be interesting to see if any players do get caught going out to the club and leaving the bubble. Oh, you know uh, what's happening. One of those <laughs> nights. Tyler, you think you think uh, anyone's going to get caught going to Magic City for some uh, 
Lou Will Lemon Pepper Wings? <laughs> and I hope not. <laughs> I will say I those are not. very I good, mean, though. <laughs> I would think, I got to imagine that, well, you, you just never know, I guess. I would never think that that risk is worth it, but, you know, you just, you never know. Look at the fiasco of the Rockets last year. Yeah, definitely. And I don't, I, I don't know if you heard Jacob slip that in there real quick, but Jacob and I have tried the Magic City Wings. Uh, basically, the show that Jacob is a producer and board op for, he or they got in touch with Magic City. They interviewed the, I think it was the manager, or the owner. Uh, it was the, uh, Jacob? The, the the kitchen staff manager. Kitchen yeah. staff manager at Magic City for the show when Lou Will got caught and everything. And then a few months later, I think it was probably right before the new year, right after the new year. Yeah, it was about, I want to say it was about January-ish. Yeah. R- right around that time. They sent us a whole bunch of wings. I think it was four flavors. And, yeah, freeze oh, pack. Oh, man. It, like vacuum sealed, sent it to the radio station. Jacob literally cooked them in uh, in, in, some our, sort in of, our studio. We had a, yeah. a little toaster oven and... All it was is to heat them up because it has all the sauces in it. You know, everything's yeah, in a freezer bag. Pre, pre-sauced and everything. It was... But I could see why he snuck out. I am with yeah. Lou Will 100%. They were really good, Tyler. Oh, I, I mean, I imagine they were. <laughs> I, how, do you fuck, how do you fuck up wings, you know? Well, yeah. you you can. And if, there, and, and if there's, and if the, you know, if people are getting suspended over it, you know. Yeah, they got they got to be good. Yeah, so that's dope though. That that's sick that they 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 hooked you guys up. Yeah, no, they sent like probably like forty or fifty wings. There was a gang of them. What, what, what was interesting too is that they're not big wings; they're little tiny wings. Yeah, Tyler, these are no Buffalo Wild Wing wings. These are like no antibiotics, nothing. Like these are like legit little chicken wings, and they were delicious. So you don't feel like a fat ass because you can eat so much more and it's <laughs> just a little bone. I'm jealous. Yeah. I'm truly jealous. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. We're making your your mouth water uh, while. Uh... Scar, you know I have a, a love for food. <laughs> a strong love for food. Hey, listen. We met working now at I'm a just, restaurant now I'm together. Just hungry. I know. We met now working at a hungry. restaurant together. So, uh, I know b- both of Wild Wings. Yes, exactly. <laughs> we met at working at a Buffalo Wild Wings. So we we know our way around a chicken wing. Pause. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so, all right, let's get into this midseason awards. Uh, the all-star game, like I said, it's this Sunday. I'm, I know Jacob said he's not all that excited to, to watch it, but I'm, I'm interested to see what, what happens, but all right, we're halfway through the NBA season. And like we do every year, we, uh, we give out our midseason awards. So first off, we will start with, uh, the MVP. And for me personally, um, I don't necessarily think. I mean, I guess. I guess I'm trying to paint Mid-season this in. Mid-season MVP. Don't not who you think's gonna win it. Who's the MVP right now? Well, then I'm changing my answer. To what I had down before. Right, well, Mid-season MVP. Okay, what, are two, what? What are the two names you got? Embiid and LeBron. All right, so so who who do you think would get it today? Today, well, no, I mean either way, I think it's going to end up being LeBron. But if we're talking midseason, like for I mean, Joel Embiid's having a hell of a year, but it's hard for me also not to give it to LeBron after watching him every game 
this is he's yeah. he's sitting out his first game tonight of the year against the the Sacramento Kings. The Lakers are without Marcus All, they're without Anthony Davis, and they're without LeBron James, and they're still up ten on the Sacramento Kings. I know that's not saying much because it's the Kings, but <laughs> I mean, if you saw the way the Lakers oh, played last night against yeah. the Suns, they had response. a chance. Yeah, it's a good it's a good response. Yeah, um, but I'm, I, see, so I I think today goes to Embiid. 30, 30 and ten. I mean, he's throwing up. No, crazy he's killing it. You haven't seen since Shaq. Uh, but to me, I think at the end of the year, James Harden's going to end up being MVP. What? Mm. I'm, I'm think Harden is playing out of his mind, and and I think by the end of the season, the Nets are going to be up there in the standings. And I just think that Braun just has that MVP fatigue. People are just no. He gets, I think he gets shafted all the time. Not that he's not deserving, but I do think that Harden is playing crazy right now and if he keeps up this pace since he's been with Brooklyn he's going to be the MVP Harden's playing great but I think LeBron has the MVP fatigue working in his favor based off of Giannis winning it back-to-back last year and everyone said LeBron really should have won it last year and then he goes on to win the title because he says he doesn't care about regular season MVPs all he cares about is winning championships and finals MVPs but that's exactly yeah, why I no, think I mean, LeBron's going to get it this year because of I mean listen he's putting up 25 8 and 7 almost almost basically 25 8 and 8 in his 18th year the Lakers they're the defending champions and I they still have home court advantage in the Western Conference I know they're sitting in third place right now but Utah's having a crazy year but at the end of the day after the All-Star break I think this Lakers team is going to look like a very different team so that's why I think it's ultimately going to end I, I up being think, LeBron. I think, I think that, you know, the struggles without Anthony Davis and the wing call hurt him a bit. Not that Well, they also were without Schroeder. And also you can't, yeah. And also I don't think, you know, it doesn't matter if it's just the 18th year. You know what I mean? He's, he's being compared to the guys this year, you know? So uh, I don't know. I think LeBron's deserving. He'll definitely be in that top First place in the East, though, is third place in the West. I I do think that James Harden is going to pull away with the dough. I I mean, I've definitely seen that take uh, start to brew a bit from from people. He's got a chip on his shoulder. 100%. And he's got got the best team he's ever played on. What did he do tonight uh, against – what did he do tonight against Houston? I'm I'm looking it up right now. He had twenty. He had twenty nine. Hold on, damn. John Wall had thirty six. All right. Uh, yeah. James Harden had twenty nine, fourteen, uh, ten and fourteen. So twenty nine, ten rebounds, fourteen assists, four of eight from Pretty three. Solid, I think. Yeah. No. Very solid. But he had eight turnovers. Tyler. They don't talk about turnovers when they talk about stats. And no. Let's be real here. LeBron hasn't taken very good care of the ball lately either. So. What, what, it, it's 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 like wins, you know, and and stats, and I think Harden's gonna gonna beast all those. All right, Jacob, who's just you... getting in the game shape? Yeah, no, for sure, he's definitely getting back into game shape. 
Hello. Tyler. Yep. Oh no, sorry. I thought we lost you. Um, oh, no. I, I thought I thought you just threw it to Jacob. No, no, no. My bad. Um, Jacob, who do you have as your midseason MVP so far? Well, this award is always kind of tough to judge for me because I always use the example: if if you take that player off that team, what are they? Where do they land in their respective conference? And for me, that is still the Lakers, and that's LeBron James. Now, if the season were to end today, though, I do think it would be Embiid. But if you take from what I've seen, and I guess overall, it's got to be LeBron James. And there's always the stigma with him, though. It's like it kind of gets repetitive when he was winning them in the uh, late 2000s. It, it was uh, the same story and over and over again. But I think you have he has an argument every single year. That's the thing I don't understand when they give it to Giannis, not saying that he didn't deserve it or Harden or well, that's w- the fatigue. Westbrook. That's the fatigue is that you start to see the same player win it and win it again. I don't want to say they're like participation trophies, but they're basically giving other players a chance with James. That's a tough part when you weigh in on the argument for MVP and you include him in it. But again, I think if the season were to end now, he does have the argument overall of what he brings to the team. Embiid, though, has had a hell of a year. Yeah. Now, the only argument I want to add to Harden is I don't think he pulls away with this at all because you're playing on a team with two other alpha dogs, and I don't think he is the alpha dog of that team. Well, they... I think Brooklyn has done a nice job basically they, they accepting have. their roles because Kyrie has, a, like, he's let James be the point guard for that team now. And Kyrie, I think, is much better off the ball anyway. Yeah, but but, but if you look at those three guys, if in Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant, and James Harden, Kevin Durant is by far the alpha dog of that team. By far. Well, he's the best. He, yeah. is, he is the best, proven here in and out. With Harden... Sure, he's on the on the best team he's played for. And, yeah, maybe he didn't have talent when he played in Houston. But now you have to argue he's with a good team, but he is not the go-to person on that team. I disagree. Harden's – I mean, just because he's not the best player doesn't mean he's not the alpha of the offense. He's the playmaker. I would – this is not – this is not iso ball at the top. Houston Rockets, bullshit basketball. Yeah, he's this, had to change his game. He's averaging 11 assists a game. All three of those guys can coexist. And, uh, you know, he's the he's the main ball handler. He's the main guy that sets up every play, whether it be a score or a pass. Um, he's he's going to be if – they're, if they're dominating in the win column, he's going to be, like, the front runner of that team. Yeah. I think uh, going back to Embiid, I think the one thing – well, not really the one thing. He's he's got a lot of things going for him in this in this MVP conversation. But I mean, all of the talk surrounding Philly with the offseason, new GM, or uh I'm not exactly sure what Daryl Morey's title is with them because I know they have Elton Brand also in the front office, but they added Daryl Morey. They hired Doc Rivers as uh the of his first year with the team. Uh and there was all this talk of who is going to get traded. Is it going to be Joel? Is it going to be Ben? Is it going to be Joel? Is it going to be Ben? And Ben Simmons has put himself in the defensive player of the year conversation with how well he's playing on defense with the steals. And Joel Embiid's put himself in the MVP conversation with his dominance. So, I mean, I got to give my hats off to Philly. There was a lot of doubt surrounding that team this year, and they've put all the doubters, like, to bed, basically. Well, especially after last year and their early exit in the playoffs, I believe it was against Boston, the conversation was, do Embiid and Simmons, can they coexist on the same team? Because 
there has never been a clear message of who is the, the go-to guy on that team. Who is the star? I mean, sure, you have two all-stars, but who is the main guy that you go to when the game's on the line? Is it Embiid or is it Simmons? Now, you just explained that their roles are pretty much defined now. Simmons has kind of taken a back seat and is playing more on the defensive end. That's his role. He's the defensive nightmare against offenses. And Embiid, well, now he's, he's, still, he's still facilitating. Yeah, but, and... no, no, no. But what I'm saying is that he's taken more of a bigger role on the defensive end. Right. Embiid now is that offensive juggernaut. He always had the offensive skills, but now he's that juggernaut where you dump it down to him and you just let him go to work. That's who they have established. They've established their roles already, so I think this is why it's working for them. Hopefully it carries on in the postseason because, as we've seen in years previous, it doesn't end well for them in the playoffs. Shout out Doc Rivers, yeah. Yeah, yeah. he probably has a lot to do with that that culture, too. I mean, also, they've bolstered their roster with a couple you know, key role players. Yeah, definitely. So that always helps. Yeah. So, all right. Um, the next one we got is Rookie of the Year. I think this is probably a consensus between all three of us with LaMelo Ball, right? That's a clear cut right there. Yeah. Okay. All right. Cool. So, so far in his rookie season, LaMelo is averaging 15.7 points per game, six rebounds a game, and 6.4 assists per game. He's shooting 44.6% from the field, 36.7% from three. And as a starter... I believe he started at least the last 20 games, if not uh, give or take a plus or minus a couple more. Uh, he's averaging up to 20.8 points per game, 6.1 rebounds per game, 6.8 assists a game, 46% from the field. So that's two about 1.4% better uh, than his season average. And his three-point percentage as a starter is up from 36.7% to now as a starter it's up to 43% from 3. So, as a starter, LaMelo has completely upped his game and he has just been so much fun to watch. I know Tyler and I probably feel very vindicated uh because there was a lot of doubt surrounding this kid for many years. Really? I mean, when he was 13, 14 years old, people were doubting this kid. Yeah, early, man. They, they gave up on him way too early. Yeah, man, he's 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 gonna go. He's gonna have one of the best rookie years of all time. You know, if he he's gonna he's gonna finish the year starting in the starting lineup, his his, his numbers are gonna be close to what we've seen. You know, twenty five and five type of stuff. That's what LeBron James and and, and Luca and, and Magic Johnson are throwing up, you know. Yeah, Jacob, what have you been most impressed by by Lamelo? I think just his poise. Like to me, this this seeing him play, I think he's a two two or three year you know veteran, and this is his rookie season. He's been playing professional basketball since he was sixteen, which that probably has a lot to do with it. Which that has everything to do with what, it. What's interesting though is that. I don't normally agree with Stephen A. Smith's comment, but he had one the other day saying how LaMelo is who Lonzo, who we thought Lonzo would be. See, I disagree with that. And, and I don't know. I honestly agree with that. That's the one one of the few that I actually agree with. I'm because sorry. I thought that was a bullshit comment on Lonzo. Like, why bring well, Lonzo? Into yeah, yeah. I mean, it's Lonzo, unfortunate that you're getting compared family. to your brother. Yeah, you're, you're going to get compared to your brother. That's, well, that's what's going to happen. No, yeah, that's what I'm saying, but it's just an unnecessary shot at Lonzo. There's a bunch of different ways you could say that. You know? I also I also think that you can't that's com- just, that's I, just, yeah. You can't compare Lonzo and LaMelo's game. They play two different games. 
Well, I don't well, know. Do they do they yeah, really? If you what, compare what, Alonzo from what, in UCLA to Lamelo now, they have very similar games. They want to be distributors. They don't score a ton. You know, they rebound the ball well. They they play they play very similar games, if that. They're different players, you know, it's, and it's just like whether you're right or wrong, you know, whether the comment's true or false, it's like not, you know, why say shit about, you know, brothers like that? You know what I mean? They're not they're not competing with each other, and they, they are different players. Bonzo's a pass-first guy, you know. He's a defensive cramps point guard. Um, much more, you know, and they said he was going to be Jason Kidd. I think he's much more like Gary Payton. And then, and then you know, Melo's the playmaker, and that's how it's always been. He's, he's a... He's a bucket getter. He's an exciting open court player. He's a great passer. I mean, they are different players. Yeah. Uh, it was just, I felt like it was just an unnecessary shot by Stephen A. to say that shit. Yeah. All right. For Defensive Player of the Year, uh, I mentioned that Ben Simmons was in the conversation. He ultimately was not who, who I picked. Uh, it's someone that we talked about. Uh, I believe it was during one of the buyer sells because he was averaging just an outrageous number for a stat. Um, that's Miles Turner. He at the time he was averaging, uh, I believe it was a little bit above four blocks a game when we last talked about him. It, it's down to about yeah. three point four, uh, but he's averaging a career high in both steals and blocks this year, and he has two games with eight blocks. Uh, in each game this season and then has seven games with five or more blocks in each of those games so I mean Miles Turner is clearly that defensive anchor for the Indiana Pacers who are still kind of in the hunt they're they're figuring things out uh, after losing Victor Oladipo uh, but they're they're currently in the ninth uh, seed right now they're two games under 500 but I mean, they're they're still in that playing scenario. So if they can just lock in for for a, a good stretch after the All Star break, they they might be able to make a run for it. Uh, so I got Miles Turner right now as my mid season defensive player of the year. Tyler, what about you? Man, I just you know his his defense is just not affecting wins, and yeah. uh, I think the defense you know it's got to be Gobert. I just think Gobert again and again, he's the best defensive player and arguably the best defensive team in the NBA. They're first in the West. They're first in the NBA. Um, he His defense is so dominating, it, it affects the win column. Um, and But I do think Ben Simmons is going to make a good argument. Uh, but right now, got to go with Gobert. Yeah, no, that's a, that's a fair point. Uh, Miles Turner's defense not affecting wins. Um, that's... That's a very good point, Tyler. I didn't even, I didn't honestly really consider that in uh, well, I, my evaluation. But, but that's no, but that's, I think that's, that should be, that should have been taken into account. That's, that should be considered. It typically in, in, is with awards, you know? No, I know. I know. I just wasn't thinking about that. Which is not always right. You know, you can't be the best defensive player of the league and be on a bad team. I just think that the fact that, you know, Gobert's got similar numbers. Yeah, and he's got the wins. Yeah. Jacob, who you got? I got to take Gobert, too. He's just been the anchor for that defense of the Jazz, and obviously that's resulted in the wins. Um, so I think he's set to win his third award. 
Yeah. No, I mean, listen, it's it's hard to argue, uh, especially, I mean, listen, I thought Anthony Davis was going to put uh, more of a, a stamp on, on defense so far to, to start out the season this year. Uh, and then clearly he got he got hurt and that that has affected his season. Uh, so, I mean, I don't like the the Rudy Gobert, Anthony Davis argument because obviously I'm going to side with the Laker, but there's no there's no denying how good the Stifle Tower really is uh, on defense with Rudy Gobert. Man, he can't deny three blocks, or almost three blocks, I should say. Yeah. All right, sixth man of the year. I have, and I'm so, so proud to say this, a former baby Laker. Mm-hmm. None other than Utah's own Rudy Gobert's teammate, Jordan Clarkson. He's averaging 18 points per game off the bench, four rebounds a game, 2.3 assists. He leads the league, actually, in free throw percentage. He's shooting over 96% from the free throw line, uh, but he's also shooting 45% from the field and 37.2% from three. Jordan Clarkson has turned himself into a bona fide role player and and really a bona fide six man clearly in the NBA I mean he's one of the I mean him and Larry Nance are well known I guess him and Larry Nance are the only two guys to play with LeBron and Kobe during active time well no I guess no, I, I'm I'm getting that wrong. But those are the two most recent guys, Larry Nance and Jordan Clarkson, to play with Kobe and LeBron. So I think uh, Jordan Clarkson has gotten to absorb so much basketball knowledge uh, at such a young age. He got to be in the finals with LeBron. He got to be with Kobe at the end of his career. And he's really turned all of that and turned himself into an 18 18- point per game player in the NBA and when when you're playing like that in the NBA there's no denying you belong so I mean I I got Jordan Clarkson as the midseason sixth man of the year and he's he's honestly probably the lock for this award uh come season's end yeah see what happens when you win see all these awards start start <laughs> flowing in yeah 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 uh, Clarkson yeah for sure I, you know I've always said I like the J.R. Smith comparison. I think he's finally kind of become that guy in the sense that he's more consistent now. He's more mature now. Um, you know, better shots, hitting more shots, um, playing on a good team with a good role. You know, he's just blossoming. And to the player, you kind of, you know, there was times where you saw this. Uh, he just w- wouldn't do it consistently. So, definitely good to see him uh, flourish over there. Yeah. Jacob, you got Jordan Clarkson as well? Yeah, there's no doubt that he leads this race. He's just been that spark for the Jazz. Obviously, again, turning into wins, too. But after leaving the Lakers, I guess he kind of had a hard time finding a role with the Cavs. I mean, that team was dismantled and, you know, chaos as well. But I think with the Jazz, though, he has an established role. You know, you you have your starters who, you know, they're there to score, defend. But coming off of that second unit, he is free and he's got the green light to score. Oh, he's got probably one of the greenest lights in the league right now. And and honestly, that's what that Jazz bench needed because you again, you know what you were getting with the starters and Mitchell and Gobert and Ingles, but you didn't really have that spark off the bench. That is exactly what they needed and that's what they got with Clarkson. Yeah. 
All right, for most improved, I'm very interested to see where we all go with this. Uh, for me, I'm going with Jeremy Grant. He averaged uh, 12 points per game and three rebounds a game in Denver last year. And then, obviously, he signed with the Detroit Pistons in the offseason. And he has upped his game to 23 points per game and five rebounds a game in Detroit. So I got Jeremy Grant as my most improved. Tyler, what about you? I mean, I'm gonna I'm gonna sound like a, a broken record here, uh, but I got to go with Julius Randle and okay. his progression mm, as yep. a play as a playmaker and uh, affecting the wing column. I mean, God, we got the we got the the Knicks are in the playoffs right now. Yeah, um, it's you know he he's had some time with Thibodeau, um, and it's really the improvement really is on the playmaking side of it. He is leading an offense. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I think that, you know, the guys like Jeremy Grant and uh, Christian Wood, who have had these massive spikes in stats, it's they've had massive spikes in usage, too, on a team that needs a lot. That's true. So, not that they haven't improved, but, I, you know, there might be some empty stats there. I like Julius's uh, progression as a whole and progressing in the win column. Yeah, for sure. And listen, I mean, it it was 100% down to Jeremy Grant and Julius Randle for me. Um, I just I, – I went with Jeremy Grant. That's just what it was midseason. So, I, I hope, mean, I hope ele- Julius 11 and, up- 11 and a half points a game higher than last year, that's a pretty good case for, you know, to – to to spike your to spike your points per game like that is crazy. Yeah, and I mean, listen, I hope Julius Randle gets the award just because I mean he's another baby Laker and it it's a testament to the Lakers scouting department and with the way his career started breaking his leg uh, on the first game uh, first night of the season, uh, his rookie year. That's to to what he to see what he's turned into. Um, it's been it's been really great to watch. We we talked about it uh, last week when we talked about him making the All Star game for the first time. Tyler, um, I wanted to get a Julius Randle jersey when we went to the Laker game, and we ended up getting Lonzo yep. Ball jerseys. But hey, it it happens. It works. Yeah. All right, uh, Jacob. Who do you have for most improved? Same. I have to go with uh, with Randall. It's it's been really great to see. You mentioned the leg injury, and I remember watching that game. Holy hell! Yeah, uh, watching it live and just seeing this young kid go down. But since then, I think you you really got to see him kind of show some of his skills with the Lakers. And before, obviously, he left. Oh, well, you saw the flashes, and I mean, he yeah. was this. He was the number seven overall pick for a reason. He was a he was a very highly touted prospect coming out of Kentucky. Yeah, so so you see that, but I think with with the Knicks though, he is that guy. He is the go-to guy with that team and clearly you see it with his uh his career highs and and his rebounding and his assists and then he's up to his point game too, so that also helps. But who would have thought that he would have had a Knicks team or at least contributing to a Knicks team and put put them in at least playoff contention. See, that to me is why I think he gets it. Yeah, definitely. All right, Tyler, you're going to kill me for who I have for coach of the year because I actually took into account wins. It's got Quinn Snyder. Yeah, Quinn Snyder. But, I mean, we talked about Doc Rivers. We talked about Doc Rivers uh, a few minutes ago. He's got a very strong case as well. Yeah, I mean, the East, I think the East is really the only thing that kind of hurts Doc at this point, Um, especially if they hold Brooklyn, keep Brooklyn off. 
Um, but right, yeah, I mean, I gotta go with Quinn Snyder. That's my and that's my third Utah, <laughs> third Utah Jazz award of the night. The Seattle native Quinn Snyder. Yeah, I've um, got Utah in first place, and um, yeah, they're, they're they're having a great season. They have lost two in a row though, so. Just well, saying. Just they're saying. still in first place. I know, I know. I just need them to keep losing. That's the only thing. Yeah, they got, they're, they're uh, only nine losses on the year. That's tough. Yeah. No, listen, if they can go into the all-star break as the only team with single-digit losses, that's that's pretty impressive. I'm I'm just not I'm not too sold on them come playoff time. Yeah, well, we'll we'll see where everybody's at. We'll see what the hell, who's got the healthy teams. Jacob, who do you have for coach of the year? Well, I, I really like what Snyder's done with the Jazz, and you know he's gotten his guys to buy into a system and you know trust each other, play off of each other. But I still got to go with Tom Thibodeau. This is his first year with the Knicks, and I know it's kind of a dark horse, but I got to give it to him. I'm not mad at it. But my my main reason for it is that before the season started, all three of us, and I'm sure a lot of other people had the Knicks at the bottom of the barrel of the Eastern Conference. Now, I would have never thought they would be as high as they are right now. So mm-hmm. I got to give it to Thibodeau on this one. And obviously, he's he is working with young talent. Uh, Randall's probably his more seasoned vet and more um, offensively gifted player that he has. But he's also working with people like R.J. Barrett, you know, quickly, you know, Robinson. So those guys, I think, to be able to – contend in the east i know the east is not you know you don't really have a strong case because the east is the east it's always been a weaker conference but still to be up there in playoff contention that looks pretty nice listen they're a half game out from hosting a playoff series in the first round <laughs> well that should say a lot about the uh the play from randall and the young guys and the coaching or it says a lot about the east, and the, and the east. <laughs> well yeah they, that that also helps too it's not no, gonna no, it's not gonna I, hurt I you i don't want to take away and and I don't think it takes away from the Knicks because, no. like you said, Jacob, we had no ex- we, there was no expectation. Oh, so absolutely not. East to east, east or west, they're blowing up their expectations. I, I don't know how many conversations we had about how that that organization was, you know, was crap. Just watching it unfold, you know, the the management, the ownership. So to see them in this position now is is pretty surprising. They might have finally gotten it right with Tom Thibodeau. So I hope so. We'll see. We'll see. All right. Uh, last one. Uh, I don't know if you guys had it, but I, I had it. I have executive of the year uh, for the midseason, and obviously I'm giving it to Rob Palinka. Nothing will convince me to give the award to anyone else because, like LeBron said in his championship finals MVP speech, Rob wants his damn respect. So, Tyler, who do you got? Well, Rob is third in the West right now. I got, I got any, and you know, he made his, all of his, he made some good off season moves, but man, for, for Sean Marks to get James Harden, um, oh, with, with Kyrie at KD, uh, you know, I got to give it to Sean Marks and yeah. he just put together the, the best big three we've seen in a long time. And he did it mid season. Mid season. Yep. And, and, and really, you know, people, People were questioning where Hard was at, so uh, you know he he was able to pull the trigger, even though there was there was questions out there. Yeah, Jacob, who you got? I got to go with Marks too. Even though he acquired Durant and Irving, you know, a couple off seasons before that, 
you know, they were injured, but now they're playing together for a first full season. But to be able to get Harden, though, and just how much Houston demanded for him, and you have to involve another team in it, too. So, again, you mentioned it, too, was also midseason. That also helps, too. I think that he really put together a hell of a team, and it's like I I can't see a better big three in the past, you know, couple years, you know? Yeah, and it really didn't take long for – I mean, the – the three of them haven't played all that many games together, but when they are out there, they're dangerous. And what's scary about that, too, is that you mentioned all of them playing together. Durant, for a spurt, he's he hasn't played, but they're still winning games with just Harden, with uh, Harden and Irving. Well, you that's, know. What, that's what happens that's when you have a three-headed monster yeah, like that's that. Yeah, that's what's scary. So, I, you know, I tip my hat off to Sean Marks for putting together this team. Yeah. So, all right, that wraps up the NBA regular season midseason awards. For the TSK show. Uh, One more. Well two more I guess technically. Uh, Quick notes. From the NBA. From the coaching world. uh, We had our first two. Midseason firings. Um, The Minnesota Timberwolves. Fired their head coach. Ryan Saunders back on. February 21st. After a loss to the New York Knicks. uh, That left the Minnesota Timberwolves. Sitting at a league worst. 7-24. and Saunders uh, had been the head coach since taking over for Tom Thibodeau in 2019. The Minnesota Timberwolves hired Raptors, uh, Toronto slash Tampa Bay Raptors assistant coach Chris Finch. Uh, In a somewhat controversial move, uh, Finch was Nick Nurse's top assistant and was hired uh, in Toronto this offseason. Hiring an assistant coach from a different organization and not on an interim basis because Chris Finch was given the job uh, full-time, long-term. He got a new contract and all of that. Uh, So hiring an an assistant coach from a different organization and not on an interim basis, that's not the most common move in the NBA. And, And a lot of people around the league, including multiple players from other teams outside of the Minnesota Timberwolves organization, came out publicly and said that Timberwolves assistant coach David Vanterpool was looked over and should have gotten the job since he was already on the staff. Uh, I know Vanterpool, I believe, spent time in Portland uh, as an assistant for the the Trailblazers because I remember Dame Lillard coming out and and saying something after uh, Saunders got fired and Finch got hired. And um, basically, David Vanterpool got looked over. Uh, so there there were a few other players that came out and said some stuff about uh, David Vanterpool getting looked over. But since Chris Finch has taken over as head coach of the Timberwolves, Minnesota's lost four more games to, to extend their losing streak to eight straight games. So clearly this... Well, now it's at nine. Oh, is it at nine now? Yeah, they've lost nine in a row. Oh, okay. Sorry. Uh, nine straight games now. Um, so yeah, I, clearly the, the coaching change hasn't changed much for the Minnesota Timberwolves on the court. Tyler, what do you think is the issue in Minnesota? Is it the coach or is it more an organizational problem? Because I think it really is more of an organizational problem and, and really things haven't been right for Minnesota since KG left. I mean, look at the way they've treated KG, look at the way they've treated Kevin Love. Look at the way they've treated Carl Anthony Towns. 
Yeah, I mean, it's tough. That You know, I don't know if I could trash the organization because they're in a really – I mean, they're in a really bad market for the NBA. They can't hold on to stars. They have to draft them. They've drafted them really well. Like you said, Garnett, uh, Kevin Love, Carl Anthony Towns. They could have had Steph Curry. They could have had Steph Curry, and they went with Johnny Flynn, though. Okay. (laughs) We could could do that kind of shit all day. And Ricky Rubio. Uh, But but we're going to talk about who they did pick. And and that's those three guys, definitely. And they paid all three of those guys. Right, but, but they never it never the, amounted after the to big anything. Paycheck, it, right, so they haven't won a cha- it, you know it's championship or bust uh, for Minnesota to keep a a superstar similar to like Milwaukee's situation with Giannis. That's why I feel like they were very lucky to obtain him long term. Very. Uh, I I don't think it's organization. I do think it's coaching because I think that the right coach should be able to get wins out of this roster. Uh, now they now they they decimated their roster. I mean they 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 don't have any depth, but they have cornerstones um, in, in D'Angelo Russell and Carl Anthony Towns. So they should be that those two enough should be getting you uh, m- much more wins, uh, much closer to 500 basketball than where they're at. Well, um, so I got I got to I got to say it's coaching not getting this team up and ready to play. Well, I think the issue this year for Minnesota wasn't coaching it was the fact that Carl Anthony Towns missed extended time after testing positive for COVID and then D'Angelo Russell goes down with an injury and has to have surgery and he's now out an extended period of time for for sure and and like I said they have no depth um so it's I just think it's not organizational and I do think you know they have they have top tier talent now hasn't been able to play but the Overall, the Minnesota Timberwolves should be doing better, you know, even over the last, like, three, four-year span or Carl Anthony Towns' whole career, you know, for that matter. 100%. 100% agree. Jacob. You know, they, 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 I just, I just you can't say – you can't blame it on talent because they've always had talent. No, I'm not blaming uh, the players at all. And, and uh, also, you know, they've always had – they've always gone out and got good draft picks, so – um, the only thing in there missing is coaching. Yeah. Jacob, what do you think about uh, the situation in Minnesota? Uh, I do think it has something to do with the organization because I don't want to blame the players, and they've had okay coaches. They probably haven't had the best coaches, but like running down this list, I'm looking at decent coaches. Tom Thibodeau, I think, was a fine pick. Maybe he just didn't have the right pieces. They did get to the playoffs one year. I mean, that was a bust because they did lose. But I still think it's an issue with the organization. Now, their players, though, it's again, it goes back to what Tyler said in the market. It's kind of hard to keep somebody in Minnesota. There's not much there, so it's not a very interesting market. So besides drafting players or trading for them, I don't know how you get free agents to come to Minnesota. Yeah, there's only so many times you can go to the Mall of America. Exactly. So <laughs> with that, I mean, I don't think you can you can bolster a roster with uh with you know trying to get free agents to sign there you have to do it via trade or via the draft yeah so all right on monday uh this was literally just two days ago now the atlanta hawks they fired their head coach lloyd pierce uh pierce had been the head coach of the atlanta hawks since 2018 since the 2018 2019 season and now nate mcmillan uh he was an assistant on pierce's staff but has now taken over as interim head coach of the Hawks. But he talked to Lloyd Pierce 
about taking the interim position first to make sure Pierce was cool with it. So clearly there is a lot that went down with Lloyd Pierce getting fired in Atlanta that I don't think a lot of the general public knows. And I think it's probably going to stay that way unless obviously there are some leaks from the organization or players start talking about it, but, or, and all of that. But realistically, the main crutch of this was Atlanta had playoff hopes this season, I believe, after having such a big offseason. And in a lot of people's eyes, they almost, I believe, a lot of people thought won the offseason, and it just hasn't panned out so far for them. And they sit at 15-20 and 20 after winning McMillan's debut game as a head coach against the Heat last night. Do you think, Tyler, that making this change at head coach was the right move for them? Because they're at 15 and 20. They're five games under 500. But like we said, they're in the East. So they uh, still could, or they're 16 and 20 now. I guess they won tonight. Um, but they're in the East. So they're, they're still potentially in that play in scenario. And Nate McMillan is an established head coach in this league. He's He's been around the block before. So. It's. I'm very interested to see what this does. Yeah, I think it was the right move because, like you said, this team absolutely should be in the playoffs already. Now they're only a game and a half behind, and I think they ultimately do get to the playoffs. But you got to make the move, especially when you have a guy in house that you think could take the reins, like Mr. Supersonic Nate McMillan. <laughs> um, so I definitely think it was the right move. I, I'm, I'm happy for Nate McMillan. You know, it's unfortunate that Lloyd Pierce didn't work out, but they've got way too much talent um, to be 16 and 20 in the East right now. Yeah, and I mean, if you just look at their offseason additions, you have Danilo, Danilo Gallinari, you have uh, Bogdan Bogdanovich, you have Chris Dunn, Rajon Rondo, all have missed extended time. Chris Dunn hasn't even made his debut for the Hawks. And then DeAndre Hunter, one of their up-and-coming young guys, he's missed extended time as well. So it's... It's kind of been a an up and down season for them, but with with additions like the names I just mentioned, a lot of people thought they were going to see more out of this Atlanta team. So it's I agree. I think it's the right move. And Nate McMillan was a guy in house that they I'm they clearly believe in. So I'm I'm all about it. Jacob, what do you think this move does for Atlanta? Hopefully it it puts them in a better spot. Uh, <laughs> I I do like I do like the move by far though. Nate's a great coach. He has a good track record. Um, but with this team though, they do have the talent. I think that's what's frustrating about it is that you have young stars and Trey Young and John Collins. And in this off season, like you mentioned, they try to surround their two young stars with pieces. You know, Rondo Gallinari. Chris Dunn, you know, what he was doing in Chicago. They picked up Capella midseason last year. Which is great, too, because now you got a rim protector to kind of accompany Collins. But I think with that, obviously the injuries play a key factor in it. But I think with getting McMillan going forward, because I don't know if you could make a push. I mean, you obviously can if it's the East. But for next season, if you're going to re-gear and retool, then I think McMillan is your guy. And hopefully this young roster can grow with him, too. And obviously, because the East is very weak, you have a legit shot at a playoff uh, big playoff picture. Yeah. All right. Um, that is all I have for the NBA. We got uh, All-Star Weekend coming up uh, on, well, the All-Star Game, because it's not really a weekend this year. 
uh, the All-Star game on Which Sunday. Which is also stupid in itself, too. <laughs> yes, we talked about that at the the top of the show. Um, Tyler, you got anything else NBA-wise before we uh, talk about some NFL? Because I know, I know you got some burning stuff in the NFL you want to talk about. Yeah, no, I'm good. I'm good. We covered LaMelo Ball. We covered the Jazz. We're good. All right, let's hit the gridiron. I'm just about that action, boss. You play to win the game. Hello? You play to win the game. That's why we took the damn field. I'm just here so I won't get fired. Great cash, homie. But they are who we thought they were. And we let them off the hook. That's as good an effort as I've ever seen in my life from a running back. Don't you ever talk about me. Wilson. Toward the end zone. The hold is down. The kick clears the line. And Greg Zerline sends the Rams to the Super Bowl. Are you kidding me? Seattle's going to the Super Bowl. It's my quarterback. I think everybody here knows how much I love Twitter and how much I'm on Twitter. Am I right? Oh, big, yeah, big I think time. you're right. I think you're right. Okay. All right, just making sure. Listen, the first step is is admittance and all of that. So, um, when I was on Twitter be today, a Twitter Twitter anonymous yeah. in no time. <laughs> they need to. They, I'm sure they have one of those. I, I I might need to check that out. Um, I've lost my life to Twitter. <laughs> but it, so I was scrolling Twitter today, as I as I always do, and I saw. A very interesting tweet from ESPN's Diana Russini. And she tweeted out that she texted with an NFL head coach today. And he said that next week was going to be a, quote, massacre across the league in terms of cuts and releases. Uh, Yesterday, uh, on Tuesday, we saw Kyle Rudolph get released by the Minnesota Vikings after 10 years with the franchise, we saw Kyle Van Noy get released by the Miami Dolphins after the first year of a four-year, $51 million deal that $30 million was guaranteed, and he got cut after one year. So clearly, uh, we, we've had conversations here on the show, on, on the Sports Kingdom show, about the impact that the coronavirus is going to have on sports in terms of the business aspect of sports with the salary cap and all of that. And we are starting to, to see the effects of that. And one of the other uh, notable names to be released by their team after a long period of time was none other, none other than JJ Watt and him going separate ways from the Houston Texans. Obviously there's a lot more than just salary cap issues uh, going on with JJ Watt in Houston. Houston has their own problems in of it of itself, but JJ Watt was a free agent and he announced that he's going to be signing with the Arizona Cardinals. He's coming to the NFC West and Tyler, you know, I tweeted it out in case anybody forgot the NFC West is the best division in football. Yeah, no doubt about it. So, I mean, yeah. I mean, it it just it already was and it just got better now with JJ Watt coming to the division. 
So JJ Watt yep. uh, signing a two-year, thirty-one million dollar deal with twenty-three million dollars guaranteed. The the move reunites him with his former Texans teammate DeAndre Hopkins, but more importantly, it the move bolsters an already impressive Cardinals defense with guys like Chandler Jones, Buda Baker, Patrick Peterson. So adding a guy like JJ yeah. Watt, it's that's it's a smart move. <laughs> It, it was a great move. I mean, yeah, now they I, have everything they need. Yeah, and I mean, Kyler Murray's going into his third year. Cliff Kingsbury's going into – is this his third year now with him? Yeah, I guess – yeah, third year. Yep. They came in the same year. Yep. Um, This team is raring to make a run for go. it. Ready to go. Um, One aspect uh, that I thought was pretty cool – uh, about the signing and J.J. Watt going to the Cardinals was the fact that the number 99 was retired uh, already by the the Arizona Cardinals, but the Cardinals announced that uh, on Tuesday that Watt will be wearing number 99, the, the same number that he wore in Houston. The number was retired in honor of Marshall Goldberg, uh, who played for the Chicago Cardinals in 1939 to 1943 and then again from 1946 to 1948 uh anybody got any guesses on why there was a gap hmm. uh he was fighting in the war yes sir he had a stint in the navy during world war ii so uh goldberg's daughter ellen goldberg tulos i believe that's how you pronounce uh her last name uh she gave Watt permission on Tuesday to wear the number, uh, and Watt said that he hoped uh, a product of him wearing number 99 is that Goldberg's name, story, and legacy became more known. And then also J.J. Watt offered to donate to the Marshall Goldberg Fund for Traumatic Brain Injury Research. So J.J. Watt already making an impact in the community as a cardinal. Uh, and yeah. he's doing uh, a really cool thing. And I thought it was really cool by the family to to unretire the number and let J.J. wear it. Uh, obviously, I know in sports, uh, numbers mean a lot to, to players. So I, th- I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, super dope. Um, you know, it's just classic J.J. too. And, and he, you know, he's doing, he did a good job, I mean, to, to – carry on the dude's legacy i think is the coolest part and i mean we we're all talking about it right now so yeah mission accomplished yeah so i mean i'm i'm excited as as much as i'm not excited to see jj watt two times a year i'm very excited to see what he does uh in this division and and the havoc that he wreaks um i'll be definitely rooting for him when he's not playing the rams um but it's uh the division just got very interesting, Tyler. It's it's the best, man. I love it. Yeah. And so that brings up the next uh, topic real quick, uh, Tyler. Russell Wilson, if, he's, if he is still on the Seattle Seahawks come the start of the season huh. – he will have to see Aaron Donald and JJ Watt four times a year. And Nick Bosa. And Nick Bosa. 
yeah, well, so, you know, same, same, man. We're, we're, it, it's, you know, everybody's got to play everybody. Everybody's got a squad. Um, I, you know, I think the NFC West kind of, unfortunately, takes care of itself. We, we're going to beat up on each other. Um, so, you know, uh, yeah, I mean, obviously it makes the Cardinals that much better, but uh, I don't think it, you know, the league has been tough even without J.J. Watt. Yeah. Now, the reason I put that caveat on if Russell starts the season with the Seahawks, I, I got to ask, Tyler, what the hell is going on in Seattle yeah, with Russell yeah. Wilson and the Seahawks? I mean, Russell hasn't yeah. come outright and demanded a trade, but his people are saying, yeah. hey, if a trade happens, make sure it's either with the Cowboys, the Raiders, the Saints, or the Bears. Like, what? Yeah. what's going yeah. on? Yeah, no, it's, it's pretty, it's, uh, you know, this is the short answer is I think it's getting blown out of proportion. I don't think it's, um, I don't think it's this. I think Russell Wilson is going to be a Seahawk next year. I don't think that, um, I don't think he's going to be traded. I don't think there's as much turmoil as the media has kind of blown it up to be. I just think it's the slow news cycle in the NFL world right now. And, uh, you know, there was, a, you know, so just real quick, the timeline is basically Russ is on the Dan Packer show. He makes comments. Um, then the Seahawks, they make a comment based on his comments. And then Russ says, well, if you're going to trade me, trade me here. I believe that Russ says, so I'll work from that backwards. I believe that Russ is saying that um, because it's like, yo, know, if, if the team is shopping me, I want to have a say in it, basically. But I don't believe that he wants to leave. Um, well, nothing's come that, directly uh, from Russell except those Dan Patrick comments. Exactly. Everything else has been his people. Yeah. Okay, and then so with the Dan Patrick interview, I mean, if you watch it, it's just it's not convincing. It doesn't. It, there's there's nothing about Russell Wilson's language, body body language, whatever demeanor. It doesn't seem like he's frustrated with the organization. Uh, Dan Patrick is asking questions. Dan Patrick was the one bringing up how many times he's been, hey, how many times he's been sacked, yada, yada. And, I mean, Russell Wilson, it, you know, he actually defends, you know, his uh, those numbers by his play style, which is the truth. Well, and I'm, mean, sure, I'm sure no he way. already knows those numbers anyway. Yeah, he knows the numbers, and it's just like he, he wasn't like, yeah, I get, you know, that it's – that you know it's awful blah 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 you know you didn't go on and trash the offensive line or the protection or anything like that you brought up his play style i hold on to the ball a lot of those turned into touchdowns those are the kind of things he said um so that's why i think that you know those comments got blown out of proportion um but it's like you know would you be frustrated if you're john and pete and you hear these comments of course uh are they getting a ton of trade requests for russell wilson yeah they are he's a top three quarterback, maybe even a top five player in the NFL. They probably get him every um, year. Yeah, and it's just like, would I, if I'm Russell Wilson, do I want more say in the rosters, the roster moves, the play calling? Of course. Um, but he didn't say he's, you know, that's that's a big issue for him, and it shouldn't be because Seattle has been a a, a pillar franchise the last decade. I mean, no, you know. And especially to compare it to the four teams that he's talking about, I mean, only the Saints stack up. You know, the, Seattle's got the most wins of all those teams. Seattle's offensive line was rated better than Las Vegas, Dallas, and Chicago. You know what I mean? It, we 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 draft offensive linemen. Um, it's it's just 
I just think it's a bunch of nonsense. I think Russell ends up playing because the Seahawks um, can't get Russell Wilson's value out there, and Russell Wilson can't get a comparable situation like Seattle. Seattle's got the best team for him. So he's got two years left on his deal, right? Um, I don't. I, I don't have it in front of me. I'm not sure. Hold I on. think two. I'll, I'll look at at least quick. two. I got it. Uh, yeah, he, he can be an unrestricted free agent. Uh, oh, he has a potential out after 2022. So two more seasons. Yeah. So he. He has a potential out after not this upcoming season, but the next season. So, yeah, two seasons. Um, yep. You, Jesus, oh, it's such an interesting scenario, Tyler. I don't, I don't know what to make of it. It's, it, yeah, I think you need to watch the interview. It, it's just, you know, yeah, I've, I haven't seen like, the full interview. I've only seen over, a couple of the clips. So, the overreaction by the media um, with his comments on the Dan Patrick show leads to. Someone, someone, you know, within the organization saying, you know, uh, they're they're frustrated with the comments. John and Pete haven't come out and say they're frustrated with his Dan Patrick. Interview. I don't think they would. And so, and, and then and then Russell has to overreact because he's hearing that the organization is rumbling about him, and he knows that they're getting calls for trades. So he has to overreact and make sure that, hey, if it, you know, I don't know, you know, they could tr- they could easily trade me. And uh, if I'm going to get traded, I need to at least say the four these these destinations that I want to go to. Yeah. Well, and I also thought you brought up a very interesting point that you think this is getting blown out of proportion because you think this is just a slow news time during, like this like a slow news time for the NFL because it is the off season. It's a month after the Super Bowl. the The new league year is just starting up. So it it's a slow time in the news, but I think that's one of the reasons why I think so many people are talking about this is to keep the NFL in the news because the NFL really has turned into a year-round sport and a year-round talking point for so many of these sports shows. And I mean, obviously, including ours, because we're talking about it year-round. Yeah, so I mean, just, you, you know, I think that it's it's, yeah, it's pretty crazy to me. You know, there's just so much evidence as to what, you know, what Seattle's done better than those other teams. Um, there's, you know, evidence of why you would never want to trade Russell Russell Wilson. You know, uh, we've, we've haven't, we haven't had a losing season since we drafted him nine years in a row winning seasons. Yeah. Jacob, what do you think about the Russell Wilson situation and JJ Watt going to Arizona? Well, speaking on Wilson, I think it's a very interesting situation. I think it's kind of hard to gauge where both parties stand, whether if if it's frustration from Wilson or if it's frustration from Seattle or if there's any frustration at all. Um, But kind of putting it all together with J.J. Watt, the NFC West, you mentioned, I think a lot of people know it, is the best division in the NFL. And with that, it just continues to get better. And if not better, interesting. And that kind of falls into the Wilson trade or, or trade talks, I should say. But I really just don't know what's going to happen. I, Like Tyler said, they are so successful with him, and I don't know what they could get in return of equal value if they decide to trade him. Yeah, and I think really the, the interesting part in all of this is we only have the comments from Russell Wilson's appearance on the Dan Patrick show. 
that's the only thing that we've comes explicitly Concrete. exactly it, it's the only thing we've heard explicitly come out of russell's mouth everything else has been through his agent his people his team whatever and it's like they even said it's like we're not demanding a trade but if a trade were to materialize here are four teams yeah so yeah he yeah he has to do that you know um, just, just as an insurance policy, right. but I don't think there was any, there's no, it's not necessary. Right. And, and like I said, I don't think, uh, John Schneider and Pete Carroll would come out and say anything either way. I think they would want to keep everything in house and just talk to Russell directly. And I think it has been kept in house. We actually just, um, re-signed an assistant coach, Carl Smith, that he worked with the first five six years of his career that he really liked we just brought him back onto the staff oh he left and now he's coming back he's been gone the last three seasons i believe so um you know we brought him back he was a he's a big he was a big uh big gap russell wilson as far as like preparation goes so um you know i think that there probably is there probably has been some communication between russell and, and john pete yeah all right, um, that's that's all I got. I mean, listen, like I said, the new year in the NFL, it's it's coming around the corner. It starts, I believe, next week uh, officially. I mean, the, the Matt Stafford-Jared Goff trade isn't technically official uh, for another few days until until the new league year starts. So uh, we'll I, – I mean, listen, we, we just said it. The NFL has turned into a, a 365 year-round sport. And so when stuff happens, we'll uh, we'll talk about it. I mean, the J.J. Watt stuff, I think that came out of nowhere to me. Yeah, no, that was that was definitely a shocker for the league. He was the Cardinals were definitely not on uh, people's eye list. No, a lot of people thought he was going to Pittsburgh to to reunite with his brothers or he was maybe going to go to Green Bay to go home to Wisconsin. There, there were a lot of other teams being mentioned, and the Arizona Cardinals were not one of them. So that was that was quite the shock. But all right, you guys, uh, Jacob, you got a shout out before we get out of here? Uh, not this week, no. Tyler, you got one? No, I'm good. All right, well, uh, I'm just gonna shout out the fact that uh, spring training games began this week. Uh, the Dodgers, I believe, they won tonight. Let me double check that. They they started out two and zero, and then they tied. Uh, so they were like two zero and one. Um, the Dodgers, they tied again tonight, four to four with the Cincinnati Reds. Uh, but baseball is back. The world series defending champion Dodgers are back and they're going to try and repeat just like the Lakers did. Uh, I'm, I'm excited to see what the Dodgers look like this year. Um, oh, I completely forgot Tyler. We got to talk about this Nike vice president real quick. Oh yes, sir. Yeah, Jacob, did you did you see this story? I did. It upsets me more than you know. I think we can finally put a name and a face to all to to the person we took all those L's to on the sneakers Uh app. He's one of them for sure. He's a big he's a big big fish. Yes, Tyler. I I mean, do you mind breaking it down just because you got more of a background in in sneakers? And I mean, yeah. So why don't you just kind of break it down real quick? Yeah, I mean, I have family members uh, that work for Nike, uh, two family members, and one is, you know, kind of in the same realm as, as, you know, you know, vice president type of stuff. 
So um, I actually have like access to all the same stuff that you was like, you know, taking advantage of uh, with, well, as far as like the discount goes and to couple a bot with the discount, um, you know, you, it's just not even fair. You know what I mean? It's uh, you're just going to, you're going to crush, you're going to crush your resale margins big time uh, because you're getting shoes at 45% off. Yeah. And I mean, it, if you see some of those pictures, I mean, he just has mountains and, and it's on of website, shoe box. You know? Yeah, he had yeah, a whole Instagram account. Is, he was he was a legitimate this kid. So basically, yeah. this kid is the son of a uh, a female Nike vice president, and basically, this kid took his mom's credit card, her Nike vice president employee discount, and then he also added a bot, and basically was yep. buying all of these exclusive Nike shoes. And turning them around and reselling them for a major profit. And then, oh, by the way, it comes yeah. out that this Nike vice president had a direct hand in basically the yeah, creation of, of the sneakers app, the whole way that Nike does their whole selling online of their merchandise. Yeah, no, he, yeah, he, I mean, she was for sure involved. To you know, all those comments about, you know, her not being involved is just crazy. Yeah, you know? I mean, there's no um, way you don't notice $100,000 in credit card yeah, payments. Yeah, and, and, yeah and I mean, she, you know, she might have been making a comparable amount of money to her Nike salary doing that. Well, you know? so did you see the dad? Did you see that the dad had created this LLC yeah, in 2019 yeah, and then yeah, transferred exactly. it to the son? Yeah, yeah. They, they, they knew what they were doing. Yeah. Jacob, what did you think when you saw the story? Again, I think it's really stupid. I, I, number one, I hate the resale business in itself, you know, with sneakers, because I do collect a lot of sneakers. I haven't bought anything recently uh, for certain reasons, and this is one of them because of the sneakers app. And I've tried multiple times on the app, but I have a friend that he has friends I work for Nike, too. And he always told me before this, he was like, yeah, you just got to keep using the sneaker app. And I always thought it was a bunch of BS. I didn't think it was going to work because... To me, I always have a weird thing with online things. I always feel like they're rigged, and so I always yeah. had a bad feeling. So for for me to see this, it's just more upsetting, and I can see how it pisses off a lot of people. 100%. 100%. Yeah, because if you're an avid you know, sneaker buyer and you see a story like this come out, and then you see some jackass kid trying to resell stuff and make money off of his mother's connection— and with her credit card, I mean, that's just that's just stupid. I don't know yeah. understand the reasoning behind that. Well, and it's like we talked about it. I don't know if it was on the show or off the show, but I know I definitely talked about it with Tyler. Like, when all of the Kobe merch dropped, like all that exclusive Kobe merch dropped, the the 8 and the 24 jersey, the Grinch shoes, all, all of those shoes, those should be yeah. going to legit Kobe fans and people that'll, that'll wear them and appreciate them. But they ended up going to guys like this kid who had a bot, who had his parents' Nike discount, and then yep. decided to mark them up and resell them for crazy prices above retail value. And it's it's just sad, honestly. Yeah, it's a tough it's a tough issue. I mean, people, it's a big one in the shoe community, obviously. Oh, the shoe community. It was uh, a bomb you know, that dropped in the shoe community the other day when this article came out. Because I mean. You know, without bot, with if there was no bots and people, you know, weren't able to hoard hoard wealth, basically, it'd be a whole different game. Um, 
you know, you have to, we have to figure out a defense against bots, you know, so then these, you know, limited amount are per customer. Yeah. And, and for those that don't know, or or there's just more, you know, available. Um, But it's really tough because, you know, it's part, it's partly on, you know, the shoe companies for not making, you know, stuff in mass quantity, but also it's like, you know, if they make it in mass quantity, it doesn't sell as well. And then it's, it's it's fucked up on the resellers then obviously to just right. you know to charge so much and then it's never going to stop because of consumers which yeah. you i hate to say it but it's like if people keep buying it you know and celebrities keep pushing it and, and all this kind of stuff it'll never stop you know because there's a it, there's a demand yeah 100 percent. and real quick for a those demand and real quick for those that don't know what a bot is it's basically an AI software that is an algorithm that enters in someone's personal information and credit card information and all of that in a matter of a nanosecond, probably. And it's how people get all of these exclusive drops and things sell out in a matter of 15, 20 seconds. It's, it's because of those bots. Oh, well, maybe I should keep the sneakers app now. Well, you know what's funny is <laughs> I actually know, I, I thought about deleting it. I mean, I don't think it's going to get any better. No, I I doubt it. So, it's it's tough, but it's it's unfortunately the world we live in. I'm what what's crazy is is this kid agreed to the interview with Bloomberg and basically ratted himself out, which is crazy, but I mean, I'm I wouldn't be surprised if there there's somehow some way criminal charges coming for for this family. And he cost his mom his her job. Well, she resigned. Yeah, but, it, but it, I it was probably forced. But yeah, but let's be honest, she was forced out. Yeah, there's there's no doubt about that. Yeah, but all right, um, that that's all I got. So with that, that wraps up this episode of the Sports Kingdom Show. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the iHeartRadio app, or wherever you decide to listen to the Sports Kingdom Show, so you can stay up to date on the newest episodes of the show. Don't forget to follow at TSK Show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Follow all of us as well at the Duke of Sports, at Tyler Pacholke, and at Jacob Double underscore Gonzalez. We appreciate you all so much for listening. Stay tuned for the next episode of the TSK Show. Peace.